The Real Men Connect podcast is blessed to have the Basic Solutions Group as one of our ministry partners. The Basic Solutions Group is one of the leading app creators for ministries worldwide. So whether you want to maximize your impact or multiply your ministry's message, then check out the Basic Solutions Group at basicsolutionsgroup.com. And to see what they can do for you, just go to your app store and download the Real Men Connect app for free on any Android, iPhone, or mobile device or tablet. Just go to your app store and type in the word Real Men Connect as one word, no spaces. What if I told you that it's been scientifically proven that the addiction to technology has the same impact on the brain as an addiction to cocaine? Not only has the enemy come to steal, kill, and destroy, but he's doing it through technology. And he's doing it globally, not just here in the United States. In Australia alone, 95% of all 16-year-olds are addicted to pornography. In Korea, they've built more than 200 digital detox rehab centers. My interview with author and digital expert Brad Huddleston isn't about scaring you as a father, but rather to raise your awareness and equip you to protect and guard the heart of your children. You do not want to miss this next interview. Real Men Connect is next. Welcome to Real Men Connect. Are you ready to be the extraordinary man, husband, father, and leader God called and created you to be? Then get ready to receive wisdom and guidance from some of the country's most respected men of faith as you learn everything you need to know to go from good man to great man God's way. No judgment, no shame. Just real men with real challenges seeking real change. All for God's glory. Hello, mighty men of God, and welcome to the Real Men Connect podcast, where we help good men become great men God's way. I'm your host, Dr. Joe Martin, and every week we interview some of the nation's most respected and accomplished men of faith to find out what it really takes to become the kind of husband, father, and spiritual leader God called and created us to be. Each interview session is packed with practical, proven biblical principles you can immediately apply in your relationships, on your job, and in your community. Today we have with us my new friend, Brad Huddleston, who is an international speaker. He's also a consultant, teacher, and author on the important issues such as technology and culture. He's worked with universities, schools, churches, and law enforcement, and spoken to tens of thousands of around the world on both the advantages of well-used technology tools and the dangers of growing trend towards technology addiction. Brad has an ongoing collaboration with the Bureau of Market Research and its Neuroscience Division at the University of South Africa. Brad has a degree in computer science and a diploma of biblical studies. He's also a frequent guest on radio and television, and he's the author of Digital Cocaine, A Journey Towards Eye Balance, as well as the author of The Dark Side of Technology, Restoring Balance in the Digital Age. Now, I met Brad at an Iron Sharp Iron conference in Baltimore, Maryland, and we were both speaking at that conference. And when I heard about the topic he was discussing, technology addiction, even though I couldn't attend the session, I wanted to meet him. So I reached out to Brad and he agreed to come on the show today to talk to us about the impact that the digital age is having on millennials and what we can do as dads and, and as ministry leaders to address this very important issue. So that being said, let me welcome my new friend, Brad Holston, to the show. Welcome, Brad. Joe, thank you so much. Listen, I was drawn to you as well at that Iron Sharpens Iron uh, conference, and I, I just can't say enough uh, how honored I am to be with you. There's a, a special connection there even before I spoke to you. Yeah, you know, they, you know, the Bible tells that um, spirit, like spirits attract each other. And so I truly, even though I, I met you just one time, I knew that it was a connection. And I was so thrilled when I reached out to you and you agreed to be on the show. So really, we really appreciate you being on the show today. I know you're a very, very busy man. Well, I'm never too busy for people. And uh, Joe, the, the minute we in ministry stop caring about people, it's time to get out. <laughs> Amen. I know so we right. always have time. We always have time. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I mentioned to you before we came on the air, Brad, that um, 
I haven't really discussed this topic, even though it's just prominent and it's everywhere. And we were talking before we came on the air that you go around to a lot of schools. I'm talking about this and I can, man, you got to be a very in-demand speaker to be talking about the impact of the digital age on young people, as well as educating adults on how to deal with young people when it comes to this topic. So I can't wait to jump into it with you. But before we get started, Brad, I always ask our guests when they come on the show to kind of share with us um, their favorite Bible verse, something that gives them um, inspiration in the word of God is their anchor and their inspiration. So what's yours, Brad? Well, Joe, I remember when I first was born again, um, similar to your testimony, I, I had a lot of issues. My parents divorced and uh, things didn't start off so so well. But around the age of 11, I gave my heart to Jesus. I went down to an altar on an Easter Sunday morning. And even though I grew up in church, my grandparents really were the influencers all of my life uh, as far as God goes. But went down to the altar and I can remember studying the Bible but being horribly confused all of my life until the Spirit of the Lord entered into my heart. And I can remember being at my uncle's house, and the very first verse that I ever read that I understood because the Spirit of the Lord was just on it was Psalm chapter 9, verses 9 and 10. And it says, The Lord is a refuge for the oppressed, a stronghold in times of trouble. And those who know your name will seek you, and God has never forsaken those who seek him. And I just felt the breath of encouragement right out of the Word of God go right into my spirit. And so when I sign books these days, uh, I always tag that, that passage along. You know, I can imagine, too, if you're signing your books with that reference, most people don't know that reference verse. So it probably inspires them or motivates them to go look it up. That's the point. That's <laughs> that, that the point. Awesome. <laughs> you know, maybe I need to do that with some of my books. I need to write a scripture that they're not familiar with. Typically, I'm always writing on Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 about trusting the Lord with all your heart. But maybe I need to write a, a verse that they're not familiar with. That's a great way to send people to the Bible. So I wonder what that says. Why did he write that in there? <laughs> That's good. I like that. <laughs> Now, you mentioned that you said you gave your life to the Lord at 11 years old, but you came from a divorced parent. So what influenced you to, I mean, was it, was, now we, I'm assuming you probably with your mom, right? When I was. When you got divorced. Now, was your mom a very spiritual person? How, how did you get connected with the church at 11? Well, my, um, my mom and dad both grew up in church, but obviously when you're going through a divorce, you're not hitting on all cylinders spiritually. So right. my my grandparents, uh, my Pentecostal grandparents stepped in and uh, taught me how to pray and taught me. I mean, I learned more, Joe. I often tell people this. I learned more at Grandma and Granddaddy's kitchen table, going through the issues of life and crying and pouring my heart out and talking about all these problems. I learned more from the Bible and prayer and walking with God from them doing that than I ever did in Bible college. And that's how it really should be. Uh, it should be passed on that way. So I was very fortunate that even though mom and dad had their issues, and look, my father's passed on now, but my mom, uh, everything's come right. Everything's good. But, you know, during that time when divorce is happening, they were not really, mom still made sure I was in church, though. Um, even though she wasn't really uh, in a good place, she always made sure that I was and never hindered grandma and granddad from taking me. And, and so it was all good. God's God's grace was still good even through that. I tell you, thank God for grandparents. Uh, unfortunately, I never had a chance to meet my grandmothers. I always um, joke with my kids that, that even when my son was first born, I started planning on becoming a grandparent. <laughs> and they said, why are you talking about being a grandparent when you just became a dad? Because I never had a chance to meet my grandmothers. Um, on my mom's side, my grandmother um, died when my 
mom was only 12 years old. And on my dad's side, um, his mom died when he was, I think he was 16 or 17. So I never had a chance to meet them. But I know the, um, the love that grandparents can have. And obviously in your life, they had a major influence on you spiritually. You know, so so now that explains it. So you you get introduced to Lord 11. But now let's make that bridge and jump over to this, you know, because, you know, I kind of went through the title quickly with um, your, your title, your book, Digital Cocaine. It, and this is a sidebar, Brad, that I tell people, if you're going to write a book, you got to come up with a provocative title. And you can't get more provocative than digital cocaine. I mean, I'm sure you can even get that URL on <laughs> at digitalcocaine.com or something. But um what I, I guess I want to know what got you um, interested in this topic because digital cocaine wasn't your first book. That's right. right. It was the the yeah, dark so, side of technology. Yeah. Right. So what what even got you interested in this field in the first place? Well, I have a a degree in addition to my Bible degree. I have a a four year degree in computer science, and so technology has always been a part of my life and and uh, and God, of course. But what happened about gosh, it's been about twelve years ago now. Um, my home church here in Virginia came to me, the youth leader came to me and asked me for help. Now, in those days, there was actually social media prior to Facebook, and you'll know what it is, Joe. It's in my, MySpace. MySpace, yeah, I remember. And, uh, <laughs> so she, I know, it goes back, but that was the big thing then, and it was just a haven for teenagers. So the youth leader comes to me. Now, look, like all churches, our church is not perfect, but it's a good one. It's a Bible-based church, Bible-believing churches, good families, not perfect families, but good families. Youth leader comes to me and says, I need you to look at something. She showed me my space, and profile after profile, there were kids in our youth group who were doing some pretty vile things. Not all, but some were mimicking pornography. They didn't even have all of their clothes on, and some were swearing horribly and making very lewd things and gestures and and uh, so their parents would, you know, say, my child's a good child. We never do anything bad. Here's the Internet. Go to bed. And, of course, under the cover of darkness, they would take photos. We didn't have a name for it then. We call it sexting now. But they were they were doing it. And this was in our church. So uh, I was shocked, blushing and everything else, because I kind of thought that was a New York City problem. I thought that was a secular problem. And so I started looking at the other youth groups that, in good churches where I'd go around and speak and in schools, both public and private and Christian. And I found the exact same thing was happening everywhere, and it was mass amounts of people. So our pastor, we took it to our pastor, and he did something that is pretty unusual. Uh, he looked at me and sort of said something like, well, you're the nerd. Deal with it for me. So <laughs> I, uh, wow. he, had, he put me up on a Sunday morning. And you know how it is in this country, Joe. It has to be positive, positive, and timed and all that stuff. But our pastor just said, this is, this is sin. We've got to deal with it. So... Uh, I held, I handled it well. We didn't lose any people over it or anything like that, but it was a shock. And I, I did screen captures and everything. And um, so I have a media background like you do, and so I ended up hosting a one-hour television show on a, a network here uh, in Virginia and Pennsylvania and some states right near us. And um, once I went on television with it, uh, the demand came pretty high, and then it all collapsed Um it caused so much trouble because churches were just starting to introduce technology. So they, they thought, well, we don't want the guy in here who hates technology. Then I had to say, I have a computer science degree. You don't think I hate it, do you? So I had all this to overcome. And so I had a, actually a lull for a long time when I was suddenly not in demand. But I had to hang in there with what God had told me to do and stick with it. 
and eventually the problem got so bad my schedule picked back up but the neuroscience came in because people still looked at addiction as a metaphor they still didn't take it as literal and so neuroscience comes along and I started to 10 years ago look into neuroscience and so where the cover of our, the book comes from digital cocaine it's a 13 year old boy with a straw snorting a white substance off of his iPhone now if you look carefully that white substance are zeros and ones but that actually comes from uh, brain scans we have uh, no doubt many listening to this will have had an MRI a magnetic resonating imaging a deep scan of the body where the doctor's trying to find something on a really small level well now there's an add-on you can put a helmet on before you go into the scanner and this helmet has little sensors attached to the scalp, and you can put somebody in the MRI and have them do things in real time, such as play video games, uh, social media, Google, do, look at pornography, and you can watch the brain's response. And so now, just like an x-ray, you can see damage, you can see addiction, you can quantify these things uh, and the drug effect that it's having. So where it comes from, the, the title, comes from neuroscience, and when you compare the brain scans of people who get addicted to extremely stimulating drugs such as cocaine, and you look at the brain scans of people who have crossed over into digital addiction, those brain scans are, are the same. It turns out addiction is addiction, and it happens in the exact same area of the brain. The only difference would be symptoms. With an alcoholic, the liver would start to have issues. With someone who, with cocaine, they might start to have paranoia. And with digital addicts, the top Symptoms would be anger and attention deficits and inabilities to, to focus. And so then it spirals out of control from there, and then there are more symptoms. So that title and that image comes from brain scans. And so it's a literal physical addiction. And once we were able to quantify this and bring science into it, it started to give a wake-up call. And that's when really my schedule just took off. Wow. So you were able to make the connection with science in this addiction. Now, um, and I think I saw when I was doing some research on you, Brad, and I think I saw an interview um, that you were talking about how when they showed the, the, a person who was addicted to cocaine and someone who's addicted to technology, that it was similar, that there were some similarities there. I want to know from you personally, what did you, how did you feel and what did you think when you saw this scientific research and this data that it is similar to cocaine addiction? I felt validated because before we had science, I'd make the claims. And, of course, you know what people would do, especially the gamers. Uh, they would verbally attack you maliciously, uh, fold their arms and say, I'm a gamer, which all of those anger reactions are clear symptoms, as you know, <laughs> right. of, of addiction yeah, while they're denying. Yeah. yeah, so when the brain scans, when that technology developed and you could actually put a gamer in there, uh, it quietened them down quite a bit, even though they still don't like it. Um but you know why I do it. I do this the same reason you do your ministry, Joe. Even though they're mad, even though they don't like us, we still love them. And we are deeply committed to seeing revival come to this nation, to the world. We're deeply uh, invested in people for evangelism reasons. We want to see their spirits recreated by the power of God. And so to me, this has just been a tool to uh, validate, uh, not to just try to win an argument, but to bring healing because it's reversible. But trying to get people through the truth can be a little bit difficult. I mean, they didn't kill Jesus because he was feeding them or healing them or raising them from the dead. They killed him because he kept telling the truth, because he said, I am the way, I am the truth, and most importantly said, I am the life. 
and no one comes to the Father but through me. So once we pass through that awful pride-crushing truth, sometimes the truth doesn't do that, but in this case with addiction, you have to admit it. Uh, Once you pass through it, there's life and there's freedom. So that's why I do what I do. It's why you do what you do. We want to see men come to that point and then lead their children into that freedom and lead their entire home and their communities into that freedom. Now, Brad, so are they becoming more receptive to you? I'm talking about the you know, schools and um, even some of the, the community and the churches. Are they becoming more receptive to you because of the science or they just realize this thing is getting out of control? Both, but mainly because it's gotten out of control. Um, something happened, Joe, in 2016, very significant, a paradigm. Now, I've been very busy ever since I wrote The Dark Side of Technology, except for that law that I spoke about of about a year. But in 2016, I was taken out of the controversial box and placed into the please come help me box. Pastors would often spend uh, quite a bit of time, not all pastors, but many would spend quite a bit of time apologizing before I preached. And now it's kind of like, just go do your thing. Um, And the schools, the demand, I mean, just this morning I was up early, um, in South Africa, just scheduling one thing after another after another, and uh, schools especially, technology schools, that's what's been amazing. I, I speak at uh, Microsoft Showcase schools where they test their technology and their, their education technology and software. In South Africa, I speak at Curo schools, which is uh, their technology-based schools. It's gotten out of control, and the main culprit, Joe, is not the schools, to be honest with you, or church, even the churches that are using all the technology. People come into church pre-addicted from Netflix binging, gaming, pornography. So they, they come in that way. So I don't put a whole lot of pressure. My main focus with the schools is to educate the children and to do the PDs, staff PDs and all that. But it's mainly to try to help get the parents on board because you can do everything right at school, but if you're home, it's not hitting on all cylinders with this. You'll undermine every good thing that the school does in terms of uh, monitoring the technology. You know, Brad, I don't want to hijack the interview because, you know, I have a personal affinity towards working in an education system, and working with kids. I'm just curious, and I'm hoping that some of the men out there who are listening are curious, too, as well. Um, how are the kids receiving you? Do are they are you getting pushback from them or are they like, wow, this is I'm glad you shared this information with me. What's their response to you? Well, naturally, there's some pushback, but in the in the big picture, um, they love me, and that's God. Not because of Brad. It's favor. It's just intercessors, people who know how to fast and pray. That's why they love me. It's not me. It's the anointing that comes as a result of other people's prayers. And I pray too. Uh, Beth prays as well. But Joe, the other day, I was in I was in a public school. I won't mention where. Um, I wrote a devotional before I wrote these books on neuroscience. Um, and this was just our co-authored it, I should say, with, with a couple of young adults. And in this devotional, we, we recruited 40 young people from around the world to help us write a 40-day devotional. And I was the editor, and then I actually wrote a chapter on salvation. So there I was in a public school, and you know all of the nooses that they give you. They You cannot, they about strangle you. <laughs> yeah. You can't say stuff. <laughs> yeah. But what I did, I have case after case of these devotionals, and I just plop them down at the end, and I say to these students, uh, I've got something I want to leave with you so I can be with you for 40 more days. It's just a one-page devotional and a couple of d- chapters. And I've got a photograph I'll show you next time I'm with you, Joe. I'm hesitant to show it in public for obvious reasons. But the kids in this auditorium came down and mobbed it like a bunch of bees to a hive. And there they. And so that tells me what they thought of it. 
that and then all the kids that come up and talk to me about very private issues, they'll show me their their self harm. They'll show me their self mutilation. They'll talk about being molested. They'll talk about their porn addiction, their video game addiction, and I'll stand there for as long as I'm. Unless I have a flight to catch or somewhere else to be, I will stand there until the last student gets spoken to and in the Christian context even prayed for. And there have been times I've just flat out been Jesus to them regardless because that's the only hope they're going to have. And I've never, by great God's grace, I've never gotten in trouble. But I, I walk the line like you're supposed to. I, I, I do. But so that's that's generally speaking, I'll find great favor. And look, occasionally you'll, you'll run into rowdy schools where you feel like just tasering half of them and leaving. <laughs> um, <laughs> so it does happen. But but for the most part, the anointing comes because we have intercessors and, and they, they, they get the message. I get follow-up emails that they're cutting back on their technology or they're saying I'm hopelessly addicted and I can't, how can I get further help? I do get those emails as well. So, you know, and Brad, it's encouraging to hear you, um, you say this not, not from the standpoint of all the issues that the kids are having, but I, I share similar stories. Um, when I travel and people look at me, Oh, well, Joe's, you know, he's seeing this and I'm letting them know this is not a unique experience. There's other speakers out there who are seeing the same things I'm seeing and where the lines, where the kids want to talk to you and share their most intimate details, um, of their lives. I can't tell you how many um, students have come to me to tell me they were going to commit suicide or to show me the cutting and that kind of thing. And that no, I know that this is not an isolated incident, that they're doing this with speakers all over the country, which is a great segue into me now having you speak to the parents, particularly for the, the dads out there, because we predominantly, obviously, this is a, a men's podcast, even though we know we have women listening too. But why should parents be concerned? Um, so concerned about the impact that technology is having on our children, because some may be listening to this and say, you guys are just blowing this out of proportion. This is not that big of a deal. I played video games growing up and look, I'm a, I'm a well-adjusted human being, you know, that kind of thing. But we know that there is stuff that we're finding out, like you said, scientifically, why should parents be so concerned? Well, the brain scans and the video games of yesterday are not the video games of today. The stimulation now is exponentially increased and growing exponentially. We have VR and AR now, and when HoloLens comes out with their AR goggles, the education system will be taken by storm because it's a Microsoft product, just like the iPads have infiltrated every nook and cranny of the education systems around the world. And Joe, as you know, I look at this from a global perspective. I leave in two and a half weeks uh, to go to South Africa, but uh, I spent a lot of time in Australia. I've been to Asia and all these places. And the problems are the same. One of my friends uh, said correctly, well, the reason it's the same is because we're all connected to the same sewer. Oh, and uh, wow. I wow. thought that was a great, that'll preach actually. Mm, but anyway, sure yeah. I know that's not brain science, but it's grandma's common sense. But anyway, to answer your question, what what has happened and the reason why that parents should be concerned are those brain scans. But the problem that we have, this is about millennials. You've titled this the impact the digital age is having on millennials. For those born after 1982, we have the first generation, two generations simultaneous now who are equally addicted to technology. So you have a double layer to try to cut through of denial that it's not that bad, that we're coping just fine, when in reality they know they're losing sleep, the grades aren't what they could be, the anger is off the charts. All of that has now bubbled up. The reason they should be concerned is because we don't know the long-term effects physiologically. The only research that I've been able to find that talks about brain manipulation in adolescence 
with a long-term effect. They, they took a, a group of kids, and it was, I think, the late 70s, early 80s, and they did what's called hot housing to them, and that means a greenhouse, like when you want to start your seeds inside for those who have gardens. You start them during the winter, so when planting season comes around, you've already got to jump on your crop. Well, they figured out that the brain is malleable. Uh, with neuroplasticity, it's an amazing organ that you can advance in various ways to manipulate. And so they figured out they could cause these, sometimes babies, but adolescents and toddlers, to, to do things far beyond their normal development. They could teach them how to read and write and speak. Now, look, it's not on our level, Joe, but it was amazing. It was still far advanced. And it worked. It actually worked. So these kids were advanced. However, when that test group of kids that they followed got to be 16 and 17 years of age, the bulk of them went into such severe, deep depressions that they got could not get some of them out. And so it, it's very scary. So obviously what they did they tampered with something back during a developmental stage that would be needed later, but when it was later, it had been damaged. And so something went off. That something needs to be studied. I haven't seen any follow-up studies. So taking that and transposing on all of the supersaturation of technology, if you think that hot housing was manip manipulating brains, it is exponential now. So we're already seeing ADD, ADHD, we're seeing depression has increased 70% in the last 27 years, which is how long the internet has been in existence in the public form that it is now. Now, not all 70% can be attributed to the internet, but a big chunk of it can, and we know it does. We have things like face, Facebook depression, which is very real, but you have anxiety disorders such as FOMO, which is a fear and anxiety of missing out. You have nomophobia. Um... There are kids that I will take their phone from them uh, just to watch their reaction. And, I mean, I don't do it maliciously. I'll say, can I borrow your phone? And I'll put it in my back pocket and stand in front of them and not leave or steal it. And you can watch the anxiety and the oh, panic wow. sit in. But, see, we laugh at that, Joe, but you should be. we should be very concerned because there's an anhedonic barrier that is formed in the brain and an adolescent brain that is cocaine addiction in a child. And that's where the digital cocaine comes in. So the bigger concern would be your concern. You cannot separate your spirit from your brain and your emotions and all the other psychological things. If you tamper with one, you're going to suffer spiritually. And we are suffering spiritually. You cannot take a group of men who are addicted to pornography. And I don't care if they're raising their hands and worshiping God. If there's porn in there, they're being hindered spiritually. And you know that. And now we're seeing... 95% uh, of every 16-year-old child in the nation of Australia addicted to pornography, and the government is gravely concerned about the 12-year-olds now and even the 6-year-olds coming up behind them. So the brain's being tampered with, and then it becomes very difficult to reach people spiritually. Wow. Man, you, you bring up so many different issues. Um, you know, you said there's not a lot of data that's out on the damage that it's really causing because the long-term effects – but you mentioned some that you see now it just in the short term. But in, and I don't know if this is a fair question for you or not, Brad, but but you can speculate. But if based on what you know and what you've been exposed and what you've seen, if you had to um, prognosticate, so to speak, about what you think the long term effects 
of this if we don't um, get some control over this and we don't start making some changes because if what they said the definition of insanity is doing the same things over and over again expecting different results <laughs> that's right we see pornography now is is the age is being lowered in which the addiction is starting so if you had to take a wild speculative guess on some of the things you think is coming no different if you've been a prophet right now and i know we could be wrong but based on but i i trust that you've seen a lot what would you say um, we should be concerned about in the future? The pornography issue is by far the most damaging and addictive, just on a neuroscience level. But here's how it works in the brain. What ends up happening in a porn addict, they don't, after a while, need more and more and more and more and more, which is traditional addiction. They then transition where they need something novel, something constantly novel, and something more taboo each time it, it's new which in Christian terms, we'd say they need something constantly new and they need something more perverted. And this has to do with how the brain works with these things called porn ruts. So I'll just give you an anecdotal story to illustrate this. Probably the highest IQ child I have ever met comes to me at a school afterwards, crying, and confesses his porn addiction to me. And I did to him what I do to every other kid. I hugged him and I said, I am so proud of you. Let's get you some help. And so we did. So I go make my way back around to his school a year or two later, and he come up to me, and this time he's filled with shame, even more shame, and he's crying, and he, and he kept saying, I've had a relapse, and he kept mentioning vaguely gay porn, and he kept slipping that term gay porn into the conversation, and so I said to him, uh, look, just cut through this, buddy. Are you, are you struggling with same-sex attraction? And, and he goes, yes, and he said, I, I didn't start off that way. He said, I've been straight but after a while, uh, my body, I couldn't get up. I couldn't get it up. I couldn't masturbate to the straight porn. So I ended up taking peeks at the gay stuff, and I could get off. And now, and he kept crying again because I'm scared that I'm gay. I said, so now you're starting to lust for the boys like you do the girls. And he goes, yes. And he kept saying, am I gay? And I said, look, I, I, I don't know. But, but Joe, here's what's happened to this child. He has a porn rut toward girls because he started off looking at straight porn. Porn. And so when he looks at a female in the real world, all of that stuff that he was looking at goes into that rut, transposes itself. And so he can no longer look at a girl in the real world in her purity. So I, so now he has one toward boys and the same thing is happening. But let me tell you what scares me based on the science. That is not going to work much longer. And so the things that are in the lineup that we're seeing is pedophilia. This is not just older, older men touching children it's children touching children and you know better as well as better than anyone the long-term effect of that you're also seeing bestiality in my work with law enforcement they keep track of these things the anime which is the animation pornography the bestiality and the child porn and the dark web is proliferating exponentially it's so rapidly and so the FBI, for example, is parked now at, at just about every site on the deep dark web. And so now we're having to train parents about the browsers that they're using on their Xboxes to get to the deep web when the parents think that they're playing video games. And so we're looking at the Tor browser and these different things. And the FBI, if, if, if a home router, for example, gets hit twice or hits those sites more than twice, the chance of that home getting raided is very high. So you're seeing the long-term effect where they just can't stop. They have to keep going in a more uh, 
perverted way because the brain has to be shocked. And so what is scaring me is that there's no end in sight. In, in, in Germany, for example, there are bestiality brothels that you can go to. Um, the German committees there have started to deregulate or suggesting they should deregulate um, incest. And, you know, incest porn is, is huge now. And so you're starting to see touching going on between family members. And uh, my fear, Joe, if to, to wrap all of this up, all of this is becoming normalized. And when it is leading to psychoses, then instead of calling it wrong, we just give them a comfort pet. And I'm, I'm not saying that to be funny. I mean, this, the solutions that are being offered are crazy because nobody and you sit in these principal's offices, nobody wants to say this is wrong. And it's because of political correctness. And even in the church, we have this spiritualized form of political correctness that manifests itself. And you're hesitant to say things, you know, like you quote Jesus saying, if your eye causes you to sin, gouge it out and throw it away for it. it's better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And then you feel you don't hear anybody say anything against it, but you're thinking, Boy, I felt pushback on that just from their faces, you know, that like I wish I hadn't said that. But so I I know I've kind of given a convoluted answer and been all over the map, Joe. But as you can tell, it takes you in many different directions of concern. And I would say a total normalization of things that are so damaging that we uh, we don't see an end to it legislatively. We don't see an end to it spiritually yet. And so my heart's cry is for revival. Boy, Brad, I tell you, man, whew. I mean, even this 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 segment of this um, episode, which I hope men will go back and listen to over and over again and also share with their children, their sons, especially their sons, um, even their daughters as well, but especially their sons, because you're you're right on point, you know, and I told you to pronosticate and kind of anticipate, but and I, you know, and I'll just speak from personal testimony. And and I'm an old guy now. Back then when I was out there doing the crazy stuff that I was doing, it wasn't as bad as it is now. But everything you're saying, you're, you're right. Because I, I tell um, men's groups when I'm talking to them that when I was out there in a different life, I was exposed to stuff I didn't even know existed in the United States. You know, I didn't know that stuff was real. I thought that was make-believe stuff. but th- And that was back then. So I can imagine what exists now. And I don't think your answer was convoluted because I took some very good notes. Um, <laughs> Thank on you. What you were saying, and one of the things, I reason I think you know, we were talking about political correctness. And Brad, I think sometimes it's not as much as political correctness. I know they don't want to be offensive to people and get people upset when they bring up the topic. But I think a lot of times because the the people who are not talking about it are struggling with it themselves. Yes, agree. And so they may feel like they're being hypocritical to uh, correct you when they're going home watching porn or they're being exposed to this stuff. But my my heart was being wrenched, um, you know, because we, we both work in the field of education and I'm trying to keep myself together emotionally. <sighs> these children, man. I know. These children. I lose sleep. I lose yeah, sleep. Man, you, you, you hit me like a sledgehammer when you were talking about how that children can now be... Um, you know, kind of usher into pedophilia. Um, and they don't even know what they're doing. They're just experimenting because what they've seen and what they've been exposed to. And man, I'm pleading, oh Lord, I'm pleading that the men who are listening to this, that they they step up and be those spiritual leaders in their homes, that you have to put your foot down. 
um, because these kids are in this this rut you're saying that they get in so they have to get something that entices them even more and more and i again i'll throw myself under the bus that um and i think any man out there who struggled with um pornography or any type of addiction can relate to what i'm saying is that when they finally hit their rock bottom and they hit that brick wall and they said wow i can't believe i've um i've gone this far i can't believe i'd ever do anything like this think about it you didn't start there you started as something that you thought was innocent and something that you thought wasn't that big of a deal. But you're absolutely right. When that doesn't satisfy anymore, you go to the next level. And, and I know this may sound um, over the over the top, but you, I just want people to think about this. Um, Jeffrey Dahmer, who, as you remember, was the serial killer and did all that crazy stuff and um, necrophilia and all kinds of stuff that he was involved in. He didn't start out there. He started out with just porn. And he said that yes. being interviewed by Dr. James Dobson before they executed him. Absolutely. And so no one, he didn't just start doing this, these gross um, acts um, of stuff that we see and think, wow, that turns me stuff. I can't believe that guy is sick. No, he started exactly where everybody starts, where, you know, that they're unfiltered and what they're not got in their eyes and what they see and what they expose themselves to. And then, like you said, scientifically now it's been proven that it's done something to the brain. And when I look back at my life and I see the stuff that I've done, I'm thinking, you could have never told me in a million years, Brad. You could have said, Joe, I'll pay you a million. I'm telling I'm going to give right now. I bet you a million dollars you're going to do X, Y, Z. And I would have said, man, you're crazy. I'll never do that. And I tell people, never say never. Doesn't mean you will do anything, but we're capable of anything. And if we don't guard ourselves against this, and man, my heart is breaking because, you know, I'm not trying to forget about the men, you know, and adults. But these kids need a chance, man. They, they need a chance. So, And so, Brad, I'm already, man, I'm praying for your ministry and what you're doing. And, man, I tell you, because when you said that, and I, I've experienced this myself, going through abuse myself, and I know the, the damage that it caused me. And it caused my ex-wife. And it caused my family. My son had to endure this and what I had to go through. I don't, I don't wish that on anybody. And these kids are now being exposed a lot sooner than even I was. And so, um, no, so it wasn't convoluted. I think what you said was worth the whole show. That yeah, well, thank you. Just listen to that because I'm thinking that it's, it might be the jolt that we need to say we need to start taking this thing seriously. And Joe, you know the number one problem that we face even when I'm working with law enforcement? You have parents, parent after parent after parent who will say, my child is a good child and would not look at that. That's why I let them take this device in that bedroom. And Joe, that's where the 80% of this happens in homes where parents believe that. And the parenting modality between when you were raised and I was raised and now is totally different. They want to be a friend uh, to their child and you need to be that, but you have to be a parent first. And they, uh, I could go on and on about that, Joe, but like you, I'm so, I'm so disturbed and it's a weight that God's asked us to bear with this and we're happy to do it but it's it's a weight and we want to see it lifted and the only hope that i see i mean it's not coming legislatively it has to be from revival and i'm begging men take your girly pants off put your man pants on repent where it's necessary and i don't say that harshly i i fell into everything that you're talking about too joe i am as guilty as guilty can be I have turned around, and even after I've turned around, I have still 
struggled at times because those images burn. And I want to be as transparent about that as possible so that I'm not coming across as looking down my nose at anybody. I'm as guilty as guilty can be. But there came a point when I had to man up, as you would say, and I had to say, it's enough. I'm going to be transparent. I'm going to just go to my close-knit friends. I'm going to confess it. And I did it. And the power of it broke. I still struggled, but the power of it broke, and I just kept moving forward. And that's what I want to say to men. Listen, man up. Admit you got a problem. You don't have to tell the whole world. There's websites like this where you can have access to other men who you can trust. All you have to do is confess your sins to God. Confess them one to another that you may be healed, and God will let you keep moving forward. And, and and that's the good news. And then you have every right in the world, even though you're struggling, and it doesn't mean that's not giving you permission to keep looking at porn. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying the after effects, sometimes God heals instantly and, and people get really afraid. Most of the time I watch God walk people through healing, to be honest with you. But while you're walking through that healing, you can raise your children, put those boundaries up. And change the entire course of yourself and your family with God's help and his anointing. And so I, that's the battle cry right now. And to come out from this world and separate ourselves and stop touching the unclean thing, then God will receive us. And that's the good news. Uh, and, and now is the time to do this. And Joe, I thank God for what you're doing. And you're providing a, a, an anonymous, if, if that's what people need, an anonymous place where people can gather and get the help that that they need and God bless you for taking the time the expense in the midst of your travels because I do the same thing to put all of this together Joe you, you've, you've blessed me and encouraged me and I just uh, uh, advertise for you this morning I want to see as many men as possible connect as you say and let's support each other and be transparent nobody's going to get shocked if you walk up somebody walked up to me and said hey I've been looking at XYZ on the internet and my head's full of junk well, I'm not going to be shocked. Right. I've seen it myself. Yeah, I mean, exactly. I'm just, I'm going to say, come here, let me hug you. to the human race. <laughs> yeah, let, let me hug you, and let's pray, and let's get past it, and let's move forward. Amen? Uh, amen. Amen. You know, Brad, I, you mentioned that, you know, some of the telltale signs when our kids, or even us, that when anger is provoked, when we're removed or separated from technology, that that's an indicator, that it's a warning sign. Are there any other warning signs beyond the anger response that we as parents need to be aware of, or we even in our own behavior that we need? Boredom. To... Boredom? Oh, that's good. Yep. Now, that may be a, a bit counterintuitive, but let me explain briefly. In the brain, there's an area in the nucleus called the nucleus accumbens, and simply put, Joe, it's the pleasure center of the brain. And it's where when we stimulate ourselves through entertainment, that's what causes us to laugh, to smile, to look at porn because we're deriving enjoyment. It's a chemical reaction in that area. And whenever we stimulate ourselves through the nose with Coke, through the eyes, which are connected directly to the brain in the occipital lobes by looking at pornography, playing video games, social media, we cause a release of a feel-good chemical called dopamine. And dopamine, this neurotransmitter, is why you're feeling pleasurable. It's the, it's the feel-good chemical. And there's nothing wrong with it in small amounts. Uh, now, obviously not looking at pornography, but cracking jokes that are clean and all that is very good for us. In fact, the Bible says laughter is like a medicine. The problem is certain activities like video games, all of that generates large amounts of dopamine. And when you get too much dopamine, the brain tries to defend itself 
by building a, a chemical barrier to try to filter out and push out some of that dopamine, the excessive amounts of dopamine. And that's just the traditional resistance that builds up in an alcoholic, for example, who started off just drinking a couple of beers after work. Ten years down the track, they have to drink six or eight just to feel uh, high again, and then they get drunk after that. So that's that wall of resistance that we have to try to overcome that continues to grow because the brain's trying to defend itself. As it turns out, that anhedonic wall is the wall of addiction that works with food addiction, digital addiction, uh, sex addiction. It's the same area of the brain with just a few uh, symptoms that would be different. So, for example, with an alcoholic, you'd have cirrhosis of the liver. With eating, that's pretty self-explanatory what the uh, symptom is there. With cocaine addiction, it could be paranoia. But with digital addiction, as that wall grows, you start to have issues with frustration. So the gamer will start to have mental tricks played on them where they don't make it to the next level and they start to get angry because they think the computer or the programmer has stolen a level from them. They really are good. They should have beat it. And then it spills over. But neuroplasticity in the brain, which is the brain's malleability, it's the ability to rewire, kicks in and starts to wire permanently. So then they start to get frustrated at things outside of the game or they say stay angry. So, Joe, anger is part of human nature. I'm not talking about normal levels of anger. The Bible says be angry but don't sin. We're talking about hyper anger here and hyper arousal. And then it kicks in. And so... The other thing that you're starting to see, and there's now a digital link that's in, in neuroscience has shown clearly that ADD and ADHD uh, is induced. Now, there are a very small handful of children who are born with it, but it can also be through neuroplasticity created. So you're starting to see focus issues, concentration issues, and so medication is on the rise and depression. So the symptoms clearly are the anger, the frustration the depression, and it's because of an anhedonic wall that's growing in the brain. And when you detox somebody, that wall will start to come down. And parents tell me all the time that the handful who have actually detoxed their children, they'll say, that was amazing. My child's personality came back. And so that's another thing, personality change. But it'll come back. That's the good news. Healing's available. But what is scary, where's the point of no return? What's going to happen down the track because of hyperstimulation that we don't know because technology hasn't been around long enough to have a test group to, to, to follow. So that's where we are with all of this. And so what I'm saying is slam on the brakes now. We do know the brain's capacity, and it's about 15 minutes or about, I'm sorry, 15% in a day's time of digital activity, about 85% analog is what it needs. And we need to start substituting printed books back in for ebooks. We need to severely time the amount of time that we're on the internet. We need to listen to podcasts instead of watch them. Not all the time. You can watch some, but listening is not going to hurt you, for example. There's all kinds of ways you can use technology without it hurting you. You just have to be smart. And so a podcast like yours is great because you do video from time to time. That's not going to hurt you, but primarily it's audio-based. So that's a good way to utilize the technology because it's not going to have that motion effect in the brain from your eyes. So there's all kinds of things we can do, but the brain is giving us a really good window as to what is happening in the spirit. But, you know, Joe, um, you and I both know... The, the, the body of Christ, if we would just get back to the authority of Scripture, we really wouldn't need neuroscience because every single thing that the Bible's been teaching us, like death and life is in the power of the tongue, 
we know now through neuroscience, if I come up to you and say some pretty harsh things, I'm going to create a chemical cascade in your body of negative reactions that will be physiological. And God's been telling us all the time to speak life over people. And so, and that, that creates a good feeling in people. We just happen to know through neuroscience now that it's a positive chemical reaction. But if neuroscience is proven to be helpful, then I'll just keep keep pursuing that for people. But I will always bring it back to the Word of God. Amen. Amen. You know, and Brad, I'm thinking we may not have a time to get to the man up questions, but, that, but that's okay. Because there's a question I wanted to ask you, because I want to give parents out there hope. Um, sure. Because we're, we're being attacked on all sides by the digital media. You know, and for a lot of parents, their kids are their kids are so knee deep in technology. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes you have a better chance of getting your kids to give up um, or donate a kidney than to get them to give to reduce <laughs> their use of their cell phone or give up their video games. So I, I want to use this the rest of this time. And if we have time, we'd get to the man up question. But I don't think we will. But I do want you to share with us what advice or practical tips would you give us as parents of teenagers or even now the younger kids on how to help our kids decrease their dependence on technology. Because I don't think telling them to quit cold turkey is going to help. Um, Or at least it may not be realistic. I could be wrong. But we know we need to do something. What what advice would you give us on how we can help our kids reduce their dependency on technology? Number one, millennials. The title of this is The Impact the Digital Age is Having on Millennials. Millennials who have children, the millennials have to f- be the first wave to deal with it. So before you deal with the children, the humility is going to be required on the part of the parent to say, I have a problem. Mm-hmm. I am using Pinterest too much. That's usually a lady thing. And, and instead of cracking a joke about it and saying that's where you get your recipes, admit you have an addiction to it because you are not going to be able to help your child and be a hypocrite at the same time. They will see through that. They're not. They'll point it out. They will say, "Hey, you're on it all the time. Why are you telling me to give it up?" Right, right. And you'll just cause a fight. So the better, rather than fighting, a parent needs to go to their child, for example, and say this: "You know, I've listened to this podcast, and uh, God's touched me, and I've 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 realized something. Uh, I'm addicted to my technology, and I have." Didn't mean to do it, but I bought you technology thinking it's going to help you be smarter and help you with school. But the truth is the negatives have started to outweigh the positives. So here's what we're going to do. This is going to be hard, but I am your parent, and uh, I'm in charge of raising you in God's sight. So I am going to apologize to you for my own addiction and my own neglect for you. And I'm very sorry that I, I have looked at you and acknowledged you. But the truth is my mind kept going back to that phone and you knew it. And now I'm going to deal with mine and then we're going to deal with yours. And we're going to remove it. We're going to start here. We're going to remove all technology from our bedrooms. And instead of getting four to six hours of sleep a night, we're going to sleep the proper amount for my age. I need eight to eight and a half as an adult. As a young person, you need nine to nine and a half. And that's what we're going to get with no technology whatsoever in the bedroom. No video games, nothing. And that right there is going to tip the scales emotionally in all of our favor. We're all going to instantly feel better the next day just from doing that. Mm -hmm. But then we've got more work to do. So, Joe, that's the starting point. Now, I have to say this. Once someone has crossed over into digital addiction, and we all know the video gamers, the porn addicts who have crossed over, the only research that we have are traditional drug rehab centers. And then in Asia, uh, where I keynoted, for example, in South Korea, 
at Global Youth Forum, South Korea has 200 digital detox rehabilitation centers scattered across their small country, and China has 300. The first thing they do when three-year-olds, for example, are taken there to be admitted for for technology addiction, the first thing they do, no matter what age, is they take the drug away, and they lock everything up, and they immediately immerse them in an analog world so the brain can reset. And it, we know how long it takes for a hyper-aroused prefrontal cortex to reset itself takes between four and six weeks without any technology, including television. And so no television, no nothing. So that's just a medical treatment. I mean, that's not an opinion that I have. That's just how long it's going to take once people have crossed over. So cold turkey uh, is the way to go, but you don't leave a void. You immediately saturate them with analog stimulating activities, which are going to heal them, and they'll be just fine. Mm -hmm. Wow, man, this is awesome. Brad, thank you so much, man, for this valuable information. I told you before you came on the air that I knew I was going to bring you on several times because we just kind of scratched the surface because I wanted to kind of just kind of raise awareness. And so we cannot put our heads in the sand thinking that this <laughs> thing is not serious because that's what the enemy wants us to do is to underestimate. I tell my son all the time and my daughter that if you ever want to know if the enemy is trying to um, distract you, I said, listen to this phrase. It's not that bad. Yeah, <laughs> you know, that's right. It's that's not good. that bad. I said that's a good indicator that that the enemy it's is that bad. <laughs> yeah, it's that bad. And so we have to take everything seriously. So I think what you gave us some great, great pointers to close on. And yeah, we didn't get the man up questions, but eventually I'm going to have you on, and we are going to put you under the microscope, Brad, and ask the man up questions. I was ready for those. I know, I know you were too. So, but I appreciate you coming on, man. Thank I can you give so you. Much. I can give you the synopsis. I'm a messed up dude who's been <laughs> redeemed, and I want to help other messed up people. How about that? Jim? I love it. I love it, man. Thank you so much, Brad. And Brad, if they wanted to find out more about your books, and because you're all over the world, man, but if they wanted to get in contact with you, maybe send you an email, I don't know, what is the best way to reach you and to track you down, man? My website, it's Brad Huddleston, B-R-A-D-H-U-D-D-L-E-S-T-O-N, bradhuddleston.com. There's a contact button there. All the social media links are there. And uh, I always respond personally, Joe. It may, if I'm in the air flying somewhere, uh, once I get settled, I will always answer. So people are more than welcome to contact me. And, of course, the books and resources can be ordered securely online there as well. So thank you, Joe, for what you're doing. Thanks for having me on and, and letting, you know helping me get my message out and anything I can do for you. I'm, I'm here for you as well because I love you, Joe, and appreciate what you're doing. And thank you so much, Brad. I appreciate you too. And we're going to make sure we put your contact information in the show notes. And listen, guys, he's telling you the truth. I mean, when I reached out to Brad, I didn't know whether or not Brad was going to respond to me or not, but he responded immediately. And Brad, you're just like me. I mean, people are shocked that I respond personally <laughs> to their emails or their phone calls. I say, I may not get to it immediately, but within 24 hours, typically, um, I'm going to respond or have somebody else respond for me. But I let them know that I am a real person and that you can reach out to me. This is ministry for us and this we live it. So um, I appreciate you um, letting them know how they can get in contact with you. And guys, to all of you out there, please do us a quick favor. This is so important. Take about 30 seconds to go over to iTunes and rate the program for us. It's the best way to help us get this program in the hands, ears, and hearts of men just like you. And I know this episode has blessed you because it's blessed me. And that's a great reason to give us some feedback and also to keep sharing us um, with your friends. So don't keep us a secret. Until next time, I'm Joe Martin, your man builder with RealMenConnect.com, reminding you that we are males by birth.
but we are men by choice. So each and every day, choose to be the man God called and created you to be because a male is a terrible thing to waste. So until next time, stay strong, stay blessed, and as always, stay in his grip. Thank you for listening to the Real Men Connect podcast with Dr. Joe Martin. Real Men Connect isn't just a podcast. It's a mission, ministry, and movement to help good men become the great men God called and created us to be. And the best is yet to come. So if you enjoyed this episode, go ahead and leave us a review in iTunes. It really helps us to build the podcast and to reach, teach, and impact more men, all for the glory of God. And make sure you check out realmenconnect.com to get our free tools and resources to help you go from good man to great man God's way. Again, that's realmenconnect.com. Thank you for listening. We'll see you in the next episode. Real Men Connect is a listener-supported podcast, and we're now the number one radio podcast on iTunes for Christian men. If this podcast has blessed you in any way and you'd like to help us continue to bless and transform the lives of even more husbands, fathers, sons, and leaders, please prayerfully consider supporting this ministry. Just go to realmenconnect.com and click on the donate button. And may God bless your faithful giving.